This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. Tonight we have a um, another special post. Uh, we're going to be talking about some more current events. But first, let's introduce the um, panel. We have our illustrious panel from the four corners of the world. Uh, first of all, we have uh, George. Hey, everybody. How you doing? And Jim. Hello. And, of course, Niall. Vordengorda. <laughs> And Tom is with us, too. Hey, what's up, guys? We've also been joined by the lovely and talented Zilpha. Hello. And tonight we have a special treat. We have a new panelist representing the home front. Uh, Mike, Mike, do you want to take a, a second and introduce yourself? Uh, Mike Tannehill from Las Vegas, uh, active member in the church, uh, believing member. Um, that's about it. We look forward to uh, Mike joining in on more of the podcast in the future, and, and here in a, in a week or two, a couple of weeks, we'll give Mike a chance to introduce himself a little bit more. This next week, we have kind of a, an interesting event coming out on the Wasatch Front, the release of a new documentary called In the Shadow of the Temple. This uh, documentary details the experiences that many um, former LDS have as they um, go through the process of leaving the church. And tonight, we have the people responsible for this. Dennis and Karen. Dennis and Karen, welcome to Mormon Expression. Thank you. Why don't you first take a, a few a minute or so and uh, and uh, let us know who you are. I'm Karen Demilia from Portland, Oregon, and um, I'm a new documentary filmmaker. This is my first project. And I'm I'm Dennis, and it's the same story. Karen and I uh, created a a production company a, a year ago. And decided we wanted to make films, and uh, this is our first full-length uh, documentary <clears throat> film. The the most surprising thing to me is neither of you are members of the church, nor have you ever been members of the church. Is that right? That's correct. I'm from New York City originally, and I had never even uh, met a Mormon before I started working on this project. I, I'm originally from Chicago, and uh, I did have tangential relationships with, you know, the boys on the bikes and things like that, but I didn't know much about the Mormon religion either when we began. Well, so uh, don't leave us too much in suspense. Tell us how in the world you got involved in talking to all the ex-Mormons. <laughs> well, we're storytellers. Uh, we are, I guess, by nature, just interested. We were interested in stories why people make the decisions that they do. And religion seemed like a very interesting place to start. Yeah, we were interested in, in the, the, the baggage that the people carry with them when they make decisions, particularly about, as Karen said, religion. And um, when we began, we had no idea that we would do a, a film about the Mormon, Mormon church. We had, it, did just, it just didn't uh, register on our, our radar screen. And what we did was we went to the Portland Humanist Group a group of people that were former, formerly religious and found other ways to express their uh, their faith, so to speak. And we said, anybody that has an interesting story to tell us about leaving a religion, we'd like to talk to you. Well, after the service, so to speak, about 40 people lined up with the most bizarre stories we've ever heard. <laughs> but in that, in that uh, discussion, a number of people told us we should talk to someone called Sue Emmett, who was a member of that group. And Sue was not at the meeting that night. And we contacted Sue, uh, had lunch with her, and she began to tell us a story and stories that we had never heard before. And from that point on, uh, she put us in contact with three or four other people that gave us a much broader picture of the ex-Mormon uh, world. And we all, all of a sudden realized it was a story we had to tell. And that's where it began. How long did this process last? Did the interviews, how long did it take you to put this together? Well, we've been working on the project for almost two years now. Um, the interview process was probably the first uh, eight months or so. Then there was a considerable amount of time spent uh, in the editing room. I, I have a question. Where did you um, get the funding to 
to do the documentary? Well, Silpa, we are uh, self-funded. We believe passionately in this story. We thought it was an important story to tell, and we have uh, we financed it all ourselves. So what, what do you think was the biggest challenge you ran into in uh, making the film? Uh, I, I think there, there were a number of them. Uh, I think that for someone coming to, to this, this film, first of all, you had to understand the Mormon religion um, to get the understand, to get the context of all of this. And that took a long time and, and, uh, uh, it, it, for for uh, someone that isn't brought up to it, brought up in it on a day to day, twenty four seven basis, it's very difficult thing to understand. But but what happened to us was that maybe two or three months into the into this process, into this project, we realized that this was not about the Mormon religion. Uh, we we believe that the Church of the Latter Day Saints can believe anything they want to believe. This became a story, a documentary about people's lives. And that changed our focus completely. And uh, at that point, we had a, we had to understand, and the challenge for the film was, how do we show what caused these people to be in the pain that they are in? And that's where we spent our time. Yeah, I admit, um, I, I saw the film, and um, as I was watching the film, especially in the first few minutes, I was expecting the other shoe to drop, which is normally in a film like this, usually produced by evangelicals, that they go into this big tirade against Mormon doctrine. And I was pleased to see that that never happened. And I have to admit, when I started watching it, I didn't know where you guys were coming from. So it was quite refreshing for me to see that you didn't go into that that old, you know, saw of just going and tearing apart and making fun of the doctrine. So that was very refreshing. There's a very important point there to, to make. We we have 80 hours of interview film, and within those 80 hours, we have maybe six or seven hours of uh, Mormon ceremonies, the, the, the secret handshakes, uh, other things that are sacred to the Mormon religion. And we had a real discussion about whether we would include that in the film or not. And I went to a number of uh, uh, ex-Mormons and I talked to them about it. To a person, they said, do not include it in the film because it doesn't do anything. It doesn't further your story. It alienates us more from our families and you don't need it. And we abided by that and we believe it was the right decision. We, we were very concerned that um, that this should be a film that people could sit down and, and share with their families. And maybe some family members will understand that the ex-Mormon experience can be incredibly painful. Um, and, and we didn't want to do anything that might um, alienate alienate someone uh, who, who might uh, approach that with a more open mind. At least from my perspective, you were uh, more successful on that than many who've tried before you. I, I said to Zilpha after we watched it, um, you know, I said to her, I might want to send this to my father. And generally, uh, that's probably speaks well for what she did. I, he's not real receptive to a lot of this stuff. Not that he's, you know, calls me or anything, but I think you, you were better at walking that line. And that is a very, very difficult line to, to walk. And as I'm sure you've discovered. Yes, you know, on that topic, uh, because of what you just mentioned about wanting to send it to your father, a number of people have asked us if they could purchase the DVD and have us send it to someone anonymously. <laughs> and, and we're going to provide them that opportunity on the website. They can, they can go and purchase the DVD and just tell us who they want it sent to, and we'll do it for them. So um, as you guys went on this sort of Spare journey. I mean, I, I don't know what your faith background is. How did it affect you and your perception of, of faith and religion? It's uh, a good question. Nobody's asked us that question. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I think for me, it confirmed um, my feelings that uh, of the sanctity of the individual and and the importance of having people being able to make their own decisions in life. And and you know, I. I uh, I, I guess I'm going to give you a metaphor here that uh, maybe will explain where I'm coming from. When we first went to Provo, um, I saw that giant Y on the mountain up there. Everybody know what I'm talking about? No, BYU, yeah. BYU, yeah. Well, I, I, I think that what we have created here is a, is a Y movie, but it's a WHY movie. And all we are really asking in this film 
uh, it's not a religious question as much as it is a, a free will question. If, if we believe if, if the Mormon church and the, and the LDS people can, can believe anything they want to believe and can practice any way they want to practice, well, the why question is, is why can't the other people do that too? And, and, and it's that, it's that, 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 that conflict between having believed and changing your mind and no longer believe that is the genesis of the film. So we really are just asking, why can't these people do what they want to do? It's that simple. Uh, this is George. I have a question for you about finding people to talk with. Um, if you had to go to several parts of the country to find them, and then once you got the the main group of people that you're interested in, how you whittled that down till the you finally got to the group of people that you actually used in your documentary. Well, we we were very very fortunate that um, we we made contact with some people in the ex Mormon community who were able to uh, act on our behalf to put the word out that we wanted to talk to people, and uh, you know having having those people out there um, as intermediaries uh, really helped establish a level of trust. Um, once we started speaking to people, we were just amazed at how freely they share their stories and how desperately they want to be heard. We, we, uh, we filmed in Oregon, uh, Utah, Idaho, Canada, other places I can't remember. Uh, but we, as I said, we did 80 hours and uh, we thought we were going to do a 90-minute film and if we had done a 90-minute film, we'd be in the old folks home by that time. Uh, it just took so long, but it, it was a process of, you know, it, it's a lot like uh, chipping away and creating a statue. Um, you have this giant block of granite in front of you, which for us was the 80 hours of tape. And, uh, you know, in a documentary, there is no script. You listen to the people and you weave the story from what they tell you. So we probably had 10 to 12 different versions of this film before we finished it. Hey, Dennis and Karen, this is Tom. Um, I had a question that uh, I did see... I did see your movie, and I saw that you had, as far as faithful LDS members, only one, only one person you were able to speak to. Um, right. Were you able to? Was that was that a planned thing, or did you want to have more faithful LDS members to take part of your documentary, or did you have a lot of turndowns, or? Well, we wish that we could have spoken to more people. Um, what happened in, in that particular case was that um, we, we started by speaking to uh, the wife who was uh, who had left the church, and um, we asked if her husband might be interested in participating. And uh, we were very surprised when he agreed. And um, being able to tell the story of a so-called mixed couple uh, was. I think very, uh, very fortunate for us and, um, adds a lot to the, the film. Tom, Tom, I think you asked the question that our, that is our biggest regret in the film is we would have loved to have more faithful talk to us because it would have given better context to, uh, to the story, but nobody would talk to us. So you have, so you had a lot of people actually turn you down, huh? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, it's it, it not, not only just turn us down, there were people that were afraid to ask people. Uh, I mean, it was it was even a third party situation. But as you'll see in the in the in the credits, we thanked Jim for talking to us because he was the only one of 24 people we interviewed, and we asked everybody we interviewed if any of their relatives would talk to us. I, I, did you try to get anyone officially from the uh, church, like as a spokesperson or maybe a general authority or anything? No. No, we, we were really not telling that story. What we wanted to tell was just the story, the experiences of the people who left the church and um, the, the price that they pay, um, the loss of love from their families. Um, that, that was really the heart of our story. I, I, I think that came across well. If that, was, if that was your intentions to just go with the stories, I think, I think you portrayed it very well, I think. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, we weren't out to challenge any of the doctrine of the church. We, it wasn't meant to be a sort of a back and forth about 
about the the teachings of the church itself. It's just a story about human beings. Yeah, I think uh, the way you structured the film, it, it was it did capture a lot of of what former Mormons have experienced after leaving the church and going through. I mean, especially the the anger process of of feeling so so bound up and and angry about what they had to go through, you know, and hopefully, you know, how that dissipates over time. Were there any of the um, people that you interviewed that you ended up not using their story at all? Yeah, there were there were two. Interesting. Um, there were we, two people we didn't use. One we one one we wanted to use, and uh, uh, she was in shadow. She was she was a shadow Mormon, married four or five children, and her husband didn't know she was doing it. And we showed her a. a, a a 30-minute clip of the film last year, and she came to us and said, you cannot use me with my voice because if my husband, my husband will know it's my voice. And and we tried to replicate her scenes with an actress, and we just couldn't get it. We just couldn't get the emotion with with an actress. So we had to leave her out. Um, and, and you'll see that there's one, one of the actor, one of the people in the film, um, who is talking about uh, the fellow that mentions that his mother wishes he was dead um, is also an actor because the uh, the man that gave us that interview uh, told us that he didn't want to be on screen even in shadow because if his mother saw his ears, she'd know who he was. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and, and another one, uh, why didn't we use the other? Was, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we have 80 hours of tape, and there are so many wonderful, wonderful clips. And if you were watching our blog, you'll see for the last three weeks, they've been showing the outtakes that we didn't use. And uh, we have so many fantastic statements that don't necessarily fit organically in, into the film. So mm-hmm. some people were left out for that reason. But only two. A question I had as I was watching it, especially in, in the first uh, probably three quarters of it, it was, um, I don't know, I'd call it depressing or heavy, angry. There was a lot of anger in it. There's a lot of sadness. Was When you were interviewing these people, did they have any fun stories to tell, interesting, um, that were more lighthearted? Or was it was the whole experience really just kind of a – uh, depressing type of, of interview process. It was pretty heavy. It was pretty depressing. And um, I have to admit that while I was filming, uh, there were several times when I was in tears. Um, the the people who, uh, at the end of the film, who do make upbeat statements um, were pretty much the minority. I, I think a lot of these people are just carrying a lot of pain and they were very they just had a need to share that pain, to express it. Uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, what faith do you both come from, and have you seen anything similar to this in your own faiths? Uh, I was brought up as a Lutheran. Um, I have since lapsed, but um, no, there, I, don't, I don't think there's anything comparable. Uh, when, when you're a Lutheran, you, you, go and, you, know, you go there once a week and you have coffee afterwards, and that's about it. Uh, what, what we saw was that... Uh, when you're LDS, you're LDS 24 hours a day. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm a lapsed Catholic. And again, I think it's important to, to reiterate that we didn't look at this as a religious film. Um, but but it, it's really a matter of degree. Uh, you know, the, if, when, when I fell away from the Catholic Church, my, my parents didn't continue to invite me for dinner. Uh, and my my sister continued to talk to me, and my cousin still sent me Christmas presents and things like that. It, there, there was no no uh, shunning or apostasy or anything like that that the ex-Mormons have to go through. So it really is a matter of degree. Um, you know, it, it, one of the things that's different too in the Mormon for the Mormon faith that we learned is is not only the religion but the culture. That that is where we really spent our time was in the Mormon culture, which which is is parallel but necessarily separate from the religion. And uh, that's where we differ coming out of the, out, out of our prior faiths is the culture was totally different. 
So you you've been rolling out um, pieces of this and 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 posting sections of the film and posting on your blog. How has it been received so far? What kind of feedback have you gotten? Well, uh, our YouTube, our the, the the listings on YouTube have been amazing. We have four thousand hits on YouTube in the last two weeks. And, and what and if you'll see this, we, we're going to post the blog this evening after we finish the interview. Sixty-five um, percent of the hits on the YouTube are women. Uh, between the ages of, uh, I think it's 40 and 50, something somewhere in, 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 the, in that in that range. Uh, very surprising to us. And as I said earlier, that uh, Utah, as far as the states go, Utah has the has the most hits. <laughs> they have about half the hits on the website or, or from, on YouTube are from Utah. Um, and and what's interesting is the first couple of times we posted the clips, we had some nasty comments, four, five, six nasty comments. And since that time, there's been more than 3,000 hits of nothing but, wow, you're telling the story. So we feel very fortunate, again, uh, not coming to the, re- not coming to this story as, as, uh, knowing anything about the religion. And I think that's an important point. At some point, we're doing research for this film and interviewing people and talking to people and learning about things we never knew about. We didn't want to learn too much. Because then we would presume that the audience knew what we knew. And you can't do that. So we didn't want to, we, we didn't want to have shorthanded versions of things that uh, would confuse the audience. And what we did to combat that was we had eight focus groups. We showed this film in various forms to eight different groups of people. And it was the smartest thing we did because this really is a film that was made by focus groups. The people asking us questions after we showed it to them because they didn't understand things. Well, on, on that note, are you worried at all that maybe the the picture that you're showing of the church is a little bit distorted, you know, through the eyes of these ex-Mormons who, you know, may basically have an axe to grind? Well, uh, you know, yeah, we we've had that we've had that uh, question asked a number of times, and if anybody thinks that all this is is axe grinding, we have 80 hours of axe grinding we could show you. I mean, no, this <laughs> we, we we didn't we didn't pick these we didn't know these people. You know, we, and, and we didn't, and we didn't edit it to leave the the, the bad things in and the good things out. Um, this is not a story about the church. This is a story about the people's lives and their relationship to their families that happens to be influenced by the church. But again, the families have the opportunity to make a decision on whether they love these people or not. That's what the story is about. It's not about the the, uh, the discourse. It's not about the Book of Mormon. It's not about uh, you know. The, the, the quorum or anything else. It's about relationships of families to each other and why, why, why this has to happen. I have a question as you're getting ready. You mentioned the YouTube side and you're getting ready to roll this out. I know that you had an interesting experience um, in Portland trying to do um, a preview of this. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about trying to get into the theater and, and what occurred with that experience, if if I could. Well, actually, um, this was in uh, Hillsboro, which is a suburb of Portland. And um, we had uh, made arrangements to rent a theater. We were going to show the film uh, just one time and uh, invite a lot of people from our ex-Mormon uh, mailing list. Um and the general public. And the general public, yeah. Um, but, you know, we got we got a, a call from the theater owner uh, saying that he had decided not to show the film. And he thought that the film was too controversial for that area. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I, I knew that I knew the owner of, of the of the theater, a very nice man. And we had met with him. We took a tour of the theater. We, we purchased the, uh, the evening at the theater. We went to the local newspaper and purchased ads, uh, to promote the film. We printed up posters. We contacted everybody. And a week later, he called me and I was fortunate that I, w- I didn't take the call. I don't know why I didn't, but he left a voicemail. And if you could listen to his voicemail about how embarrassed he was to call me and tell me that they had decided not to show the film. Uh, because as Karen said, he said it was too controversial. Well, I, I called him back, uh, maybe three or four days later and I told him that I understood that he was a businessman in a very heavily Mormon 
community. And if I had been him, I probably would have made the same decision. Hmm. And, and he said to me, he said, he said, I know. He said, but you can't be happy as a documentary filmmaker that I did this to you. I said, no, I'm not. I said, but I understand why you made that decision. And, and that was it. In the course of talking to him, did he indicate that he had been contacted or how much, how many people had contacted him or who he was contacted by? No, I think what happened was he has a, um, investors in his theater um, that I think when he saw the sum and substance of this film, he felt obligated to show it to them. And uh, I believe some of these people uh, had a problem with it uh, because because uh, they're uh, practicing Mormons. Uh, I, I, I don't think that uh, it was people that contacted him. It was people, I think it was people he took the time to show that to them because of the relationship. Was the were these interviews uh, a, the ones that you chose to show uh, in the finished product? Were these uh, a spectrum of the interviews, or uh, did you choose the more interesting or controversial uh, interviews that you conducted? The reason why we chose certain clips had to do more with um, the narrative, moving the storyline along. Um, Making making one statement flow into another logically, um, it, it wasn't it wasn't selected for any particular controversial quality or, of course of course we wanted people who were well spoken, um, and who made uh, succinct points. But as I said, it, it had more to do with uh, moving the story along. You know, one of the th- this being our our first feature, one one of the things that. Uh, I learned in college that I thought was kind of crazy, but it came true to me is, is we did not have anything to say about the story. The story told itself. And, and when you ask what I think was a very good question, if, if we had cherry picked the information, we had things in our film that we knew we were going to keep in the film that we took out of the film because the film wouldn't let us keep them in. It's a very interesting dynamic that, that you create when you're telling this story. And what you see in that film, we were the mechanics, but the story demanded what it got. So we did not put anything in there that was inappropriate as far as, as Karen said, as furthering the story and, and, and completing what we felt was the theme of this film. Yeah, I, I think you accomplished that uh, rather well. The story does flow, and so you get a, a momentum that's building up throughout the film, and... Uh, uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed that part of it, that aspect of it. Thank you. Yeah, I just I was going to say uh, it was put together really well. The editing was very good, and the use of artwork was was really good. It was a glorious black and white, as Mel Brooks would say. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was just very artfully done. Even if it, you know, the story, the obviously the story is is very heavy, but it uh, it was it was good. It was nice, like he like James said, it flowed very well. Well, I, I, I should say that uh, I, I, one of the things I learned from uh, doing research in the Mormon religion is that when you find a woman smarter and more talented than you are, you partner with her. <laughs> Karen, Karen, Karen did all the videography and did all the editing. That was very well done. Thank you. Now, I wanted to ask you both um, about the character of Enigma. Now, he obviously went through some kind of metamorphosis or change during the process because in the for the most part of the movie he stays um, kind of in shadow and uses a, an alias and then he decides to come out and talk about that a little bit yes um, I think I think uh, doing the film participating in the film was part of his process um, and he was he was a very uh, thoughtful articulate young man and uh, just a, a delight to work with. Um, and, and I, I really enjoyed watching him sort of blossom uh, through the process. You know, when we first filmed him, it's very interesting. Karen's absolutely right about the, him participating in the film being a catharsis because we began filming him in the shadow um, as Enigma. And halfway through the process, he said, turn the lights on. And he became who he was. Uh, it, it was it was that quick. And and then 
we went back a year later and filmed the second part of that that you see in the film uh, to catch up on what has happened to him. And he he has since been divorced and remarried. Um, and we have found that there were three or four other people in the film who did the same thing, who looked at the their their uh, ability to speak their piece in this film and have changed their lives completely. This is Tom again. What are the... I particularly, for myself, I enjoyed the uh, the African American woman's interview. Yes. My heart, I seem, I seem to have, uh, my heart kind of broke for her. But for for both of you, as you did this process, what was there a particular interview that you actually kind of resonated with the most, or that you kind of would pick out as your favorite? Uh, I, I'm with you, Tom. That that when when she says. Uh, there was more to me than being a Mormon. And I thought there was more to him than being a Mormon. I cannot do anything but cry. When I realized that if given the choice between me and the church, my husband would choose the church and I would be the one to go. He would give me up because he can't be happy without the church. It's what he's been taught all of his life. I was told that in the therapist's office, he said to her that if I wasn't a member, a Mormon, he would not have married me. That was very hard to hear, a very, very hard thing to hear. There was more to me than being a Mormon. I wasn't just a Mormon. And I thought there was more to him than being a Mormon. I mean, every time, I've seen it 150 times. Yeah, she she has my, my total compassion. She was amazing. As Michelle to me is is the key to the film i i mean it is it, it it's it's like a laser beam where everything else might be a bonfire she's a laser beam because she just cuts right to it you know and she is she she is hurt she is passionate and, and and she is angry but i think most of all she is so disappointed in what she thought her her life was going to be and 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 that statement that that i there was more to me than being a mormon is really the whole theme of this is is that is that they, these are people who happen to be Mormons and uh, as she said you know when when she said you know when I realized that my if my husband had to choose between me and the church I'd be the one to go who says those things I mean yeah I I was totally disabled by that interview yeah I agree a, a lot of of what Michelle said hit hit home to me and. You know, that that really was what leaving was about is, you know, what's more important, my life or, you know, my life under the banner of Mormonism? Well, getting back to the original theme, uh, that when we started to make a documentary, we wanted to know why people make the decisions that they do. And for us, looking at looking at the dilemma of, these people who have to make this terrible, terrible choice between the people they love and being true to their own beliefs. Um, how does how does someone make that kind of kind of choice? That that was just such an amazing uh, thing to look at. Uh, and I, again, I think a thing that surprised us was why that decision is so much more difficult and 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 crushing is is that. You're making a decision about your whole life and all you've ever known. You know, how do you let something go that you've believed for 40 or 50 or 60 years? And, and if you do that, who are you the next day? I mean, that. On top of that, what, what you brought out in the film is the impact on the, um, your family, your family's perception of their eternities 
has you included as part of it. And so when you, when you step out, that's why it's so painful for, you know, for the family unit is it, it's it apart because that's, you know, such a strong belief. You know, uh, so for that, that is a part of the film that everyone who watched, has watched this film that is not a Mormon has responded to. They just found that so unbelievable. Um, and they had no concept that that was part of anybody's religion. A number of people who know a little bit about the Mormon church asked us why we didn't say anything about tithing. Well, it's because we didn't talk about the Mormon church. You know, that that's the Mormon church's business if they want to tithe. We're, we don't have any opinion about that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's when, when we first started, start, I don't know if you know who Dwayne Anderson is. Well, Dwayne lives here in, in the Portland area, and we he was one of the first people we talked to way before we did a film. And I said, and, and this was just after the uh, uh, public broadcasting had done the four hours on the on the Mormons, that that the four hour program they had done, and we were yeah, talking, we were, yeah, we were talking about that film, and I said to Dwayne, said Dwayne, we don't want to make that all over again. What is the story that's never been told? And he said. And it's in the film. He said, the story that's never been told are the lives of the shadow Mormons, that people that no longer believe but are so afraid to get out and pay the consequences that they just stay in and are miserable. That's where this all began. One other thing that I found poignant both in my experience, and I think you, you captured in the movie, is is the time scale. I, I, I think it was Brody who said um, that she was you know, saying the prayer to you know, find out if the church is true. Then she repeated that she said the prayer for 12 years and then had no answer. That was Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. After that Templar experience, my prayers changed. It now became, help me to know that I am on the right path. And that, I prayed that prayer for 12 years. I prayed that prayer every night for 12 years because I was no longer sure that I was on the right path. That's a long time to have doubts. <laughs> well, it's a long time to try. I think, I think, I don't know if most uh, members get it as of how much the, how much pain and suffering that the ex-Mormons go through in trying to make it work. It's not like a blase thing. It's not like people just stroll out one afternoon that it's a process that takes a lot out of them um, spiritually, emotionally. And, and, and they all say, that every one of them has told us that they thought they were the ones that were the problem at the beginning. That they must, there must be something wrong with them that they no, no longer believe. Yes, absolutely. Very true. Now, Richard in the movie um, presented a rather interesting case. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about Richard? Um. Richard um, uh, discovered when he was on his mission that he had homosexual feelings. And uh, he and his uh, companion went to the mission president, and uh, the mission president told Richard that uh, his eternal salvation depended upon uh, suppressing those feelings and uh, marrying and living a straight life. And uh, Richard did that. He married. Uh, he had two children. Um, and uh, he was married for 22 years. Went through some uh, very hard times holding that marriage together. And uh, finally it, it did come apart. In looking back, I've oftentimes thought, what if I made a different decision? And that has been one of the biggest fantasies that has plagued me for a lifetime. If somewhere back there I could confront with my homosexuality soon enough that I could then eventually choose a gay lifestyle, find a wonderful man to share my life with, I think that would have been one of the most happy and wonderful thoughts that I, I ever had. Um, of course, that didn't happen until uh, I was uh, pretty much 50 years old and I met Paul, and our life has been 
very, very happy since then. I consider it to be probably my happiest years. Uh, and, and so, how, how can I go back to that decision? On the one hand, if I weren't married, I'd lose that wonderful experience with family, a wife who loved me, children, and now my grandchildren. But the other vision is the sadness. I think the church stole my sexuality. I'm hurt and I'm angry. But what 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 struck me was the 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 carnage, the the lives that were shattered, not just Richards, but his wife and his children, all because he had to live a life that was not really his own. Another one of the most poignant lines in the film for me is when Richard says, the church stole my sexuality. Um, you know, when, when he went to the talk to the, the mission president, the mission president uh, had one question for him, which I thought was amazing. The mission president said, can you get an erection? And he said, yes. And that's all that mattered because then he said, you must marry. And marriage is the only way you're getting to heaven. And, 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 and again, for, for me at least, when he was told that being homosexual was, was because of, the, of Satan, um, I, I just found that unbelievable that, that, that someone would say that you're homosexual because of Satan. And, uh, Richard is one of our, one of our favorites in the film, and he's a dear friend of ours now too. Your religious background, this is Mike, from your religious background, do you see where that's coming from, though? I mean, do you see how the church can suppress something like that and why they need to seek to heal them? Or Well, well, not from my religious background. I mean, I, I, I don't believe for a second that Satan has any interest in anybody's homosexuality. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I think it's, it, and again, the church can believe anything it wants to. I don't necessarily have to believe it. And uh, I think I think I'll go back to the point that Karen made so well is is regardless of what that is, look at the look at the carnage it created. Look at what happened to that man for 22 years, and when his wife found out after 22 years of marriage that she was married to a homosexual, what did that do to the, to his wife and to the children? And now he's got five grandchildren. I mean, it. it why couldn't he live the life? That he it was most comfortable for him and, and honest for him. He didn't do it. He is now, but it took him 30 years to get there. On that note, um, he was a very poignant representative of, of the story because he had left the church so long ago. You know, some of the people you were talking to were pretty fresh, yes. but it was something way in his past. And at the end, he shows that he's he's found new happiness and he's been able to form a new life that obviously gives him great love and satisfaction. However, there's an underlying tide of sadness and and um, dissatisfaction that will never quite go away, a wound that will never quite heal, and it's something you can see in his eyes and in his voice, and it was rather moving. That, that, that's a perfect analysis. That's absolutely true. Yeah, when, when you look at all the wasted years, um, we spoke we spoke to one woman who we did not we did not use in the film, but she didn't. Uh, she didn't leave the church until she was uh, probably 60 years old. And just looking back over her life, she could have had a career. Uh, you know, she, she regretted all the money that she had donated as tithing. And, uh, you know, how do you, you can't, you can't get those years back. Yeah. A number of the people you see it, you see it once in the film, but probably six or seven people, you had the exact same statement. If I knew then what I know now, how differently my, my life would have been. And and what that is saying is, is, is what you said earlier, is that how long it takes people to get to the point where they know they're not the ones that are wrong, that they're not the ones that are being the apostates. It's just the way life is. And uh, Richard, Richard in the film is probably the best example of that. Uh, it's, 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 it's touching. Dennis and Karen, um, another question. So after doing all these interviews and this, this countless, uh, time and money that you spent into this, I can't imagine that you look at the, uh, LDS church too favorably. I can't imagine that you're telling your friends that 
maybe they should call the LDS missionaries over to investigate joining the church. Actually, actually we, uh, this is a true story. We saw, we, Karen and I were going to the post office today to mail some tapes out, and we saw two LDS missionaries on the street. And I said, turn around, let's go get them and bring them back to my house and show them the film. <laughs> by, the, oh. by, the time, by the time we turned around, we couldn't find them. They must have known we were coming after them. <laughs> <laughs> They've been warned. Yeah. Well, no, I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, at least, at least not for uh, for us. Is again, we we don't want to get into uh, religion bashing and uh, who's more holier than thou. Um, we let people make the decisions for themselves. You know, I, I I had I sent six films out or six films out to people, friends of mine that I wanted to get their opinion of, and one was my college roommate who lived in Salt Lake City for a number of years. And and when he knew I was making a, we were making a film about the Mormons, he told me that uh, I probably would get it wrong because the Mormons are real nice people. I said I don't I don't disagree with that. But he looked at the film and he emailed me last night, and he and, and, and he realized all of a sudden that he didn't go beneath the surface of things. And I think that's maybe one thing we show in the film. And again, it's not just Mormonism; it's it's anything that disallows free will. Once you get beneath the surface, and, what, and like Packham says in, in, in the film, Richard Packham says in the film, um, you know, you can, you can uh, leave the church, but you can't leave it alone. Because you're angry in your, and I think in some cases, a number of these people were embarrassed by what had happened to their lives. So, no, we don't, we, we're, we're not out bashing the LDS church at all. I, I, I would, I would, huh. I, I had suggested this earlier. Everybody told me I was crazy. I would love. We have the Portland premiere on October 25th in in, in, in the Hollywood Theater. I would give free admission to anybody with a valid Temple recommend to come see that movie. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll be there. <laughs> I got to go to the fish ship though. So uh, that's a good question. I'm, I'm sure you're anticipating some uh, controversy in the the uh, weeks, months to come. What's next for you guys? Maui. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have we. Karen said earlier today that we thought when we finished the film we were done. Uh, that's it's only halfway. We have film festivals to do. We have uh, people that want us to talk. We have colleges that want us to go and, and give speeches. Um, we don't know. This 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 is our first foray into this. This is our first full length feature film. Um, it was we loved every minute of it. We still love it, and I think that's an important point to this when we look at our future. Is I'm not so sure that we could find another topic like this that we could sit down for two years every day and love what we were doing and not get tired of it. I never once got tired of watching the same thing fifty times. Because I was so entranced by it. Someone mentioned a good follow-up film would be the effect that the on the families of, of the people that left uh, their view of the same event from the other side. Would they talk to us? Probably not. We, we have thought about that. Some people have asked us if we would do it a in the shadow two and three because we have enough film to do it. But I, I must say, from my from my point of view, and I think this goes back to something I know whether it's Mike or Tom said. Is one of the things that I learned from the people that we interviewed was that there is a point, I call it the tripwire. And I think if we made another film, I would call it the tripwire because there's a point in every one of the uh, shadow Mormons or the ex-Mormons that, that we interviewed where they can't go any further without losing control. There is a point that they, that they, 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 they can talk about the bishop, they can talk about the forum, they can talk about the president, they can talk about all this other stuff, but there is every one of the people we interview, there's a point where they cannot go any further without just feeling the hurt and the tear and the pain that they've lived through. And I'll, I'll give you a quick story. The first, When I first moved to Oregon, my, my boss was a Jack Mormon. I didn't know what a Jack Mormon was. <laughs> And, and this was 30 years ago, and he, he told me what a Jack Mormon was. He said the best way to describe it is, is I can't go to my daughter's wedding, but I can pay for it. <laughs> but, nice. but he, he was telling me that uh, about the marriage ceremony and that in the marriage ceremony, uh, you give each other secret or secret names so you can find each other in the hereafter. And he was really disparaging 
when he was talking about this. I said, really, what was your wife's secret name? He says, I can't tell you that. <laughs> you know, he, he still couldn't let go of it. Although he had spent an hour telling me how, how absurd he thought the religion was, he wouldn't let go of his wife's sacred, uh, sacred name. That, to me, is a tripwire. That, that you'll never let go of everything. Yeah, that's telling. So let's see. Um, next week or on October 10th, uh, 2009, this will be premiering at the um, Ex-Mormon Conference. Is that right? Yes, the Ex-Mormon Foundation Conference uh, in Salt Lake City. And I assume there's still tickets available? Uh, yeah, it's 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 2:30 on Saturday the 10th at the uh, Embassy Suites Hotel. Embassy Suites in downtown Salt Lake. And right. then um what what are the next um showings that you have on the calendar? Uh we are uh we've been chosen for the Astoria Film Festival in Astoria, Oregon, and that will be on the 17th at 9 p.m. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And then uh, you're talking about the Portland premiere? Our Portland premiere is on October 25th. It's at the Hollywood Theater in Portland, October 25th at 3 p.m. You all have a, a website or a blog that um, uh, people can see where it's going to be playing and maybe get a hold of the, a copy of the DVD? Yes, uh, the website is uh, temple.com and the blog is... It, your blog is shadowofthetemple.blogspot.com. I happen to have it on the screen. And uh, we will add uh, links to all of these on our website, so if you forget those, you're welcome to uh, to swing by our uh, Mormon Expression website. We're going to do a blog tonight and tell everybody to listen to this. Wonderful. Well, Dennis and Karen, uh, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. You know, I, I like to, I, I always talk too much, but I like to say one thing to Tom. Tom, I really appreciated your comments. Thank you very much. Hey, no problem. I, I appreciate you guys, uh, be, being willing to come on and talk with us and, and we're, I, I think I'm happy to, uh, promote your, your documentary. I think you guys did a wonderful job. Um, what, just one last question. Will, will there be, uh, any, extras on the DVDs, because I'm anxious to p- purchase the DVD. Will there be some of the outtakes that are in the movie that will be in the DVD? You'll have to ask Karen that question. <laughs> not not in this version of the DVD, but we will have outtakes. Uh, you can see them on our blog. All right. Very well. Good. Excellent. Um, thanks, everyone who participated. Remember, our discussion continues at MormonExpression.com. Check out the blog for the links we discussed and to follow up on the discussion. You can call and leave us a message at 801-906-6722 or leave us an email at mail at mormonexpression.com. Thanks.